Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. We want you to know that Creekwood Church is open and you're invited to join us in person or online this weekend. More information about services and in-person safety precautions is available at creekwoodchurch.com. We hope this message inspires and encourages your faith. Enjoy. Well, you guys ready to continue Joshua today? Uh, you know, I know some of you are like, are we still in Joshua? We have been in Joshua like like the last three years. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it feels like it, but um, we... I think it's like eight or nine weeks now that we've been in this series, and um, it's just so rich and so much that we can learn from the story of Joshua, and you know, I read this story, and it just really excites me about being a Christ follower. It really is exciting uh, to, to believe and know that you, we, you and I have a God that loves us so much that he wants to be involved in our life. That he wants to partner with us and to, to um, take us on this journey and, and these destinations that God has. And it's exciting. Anybody that ever told you that being a Christ follower is boring has never walked with Christ. When you begin to walk with God and you begin to really seek him and begin to experience where he takes you, it is, it is amazing when you begin to really realize where he wants to take you and see what he wants to do. And one of the most powerful things that he said to this young guy named Joshua is that he said, where, where you are going to go, I need you to be strong and courageous And you know, I believe that that applies to all of us in our lives when we think about our lives. Too many times we back away from living what God has for us. Too many times we compromise. Too many times we walk in fear. Too many times we kind of step back and we go, I can't do this. Do you know that this was for a long time was, was a struggle for me to even, you, you talk about being courageous and strong for me to be able to stand in front of people and talk is something that God had to do as supernatural work in my life. I've struggled with anxiety, panic attacks, but even being in front of people like to pray was crazy. And, but for me to fulfill God's purpose and God's plan for my life, I had to be strong and courageous. Joshua had to be strong and courageous and his power relationship with the people of Israel, it's what, what got them to move into the promised land. And we're, we're going to look at another part, and again, I can't get out of chapter 6, and we have been looking at um, the city of Jericho, and I, I want to look at that because there are so many things that we can learn, and I want to show you one last thing there, and I promise you we are going to move on to chapter 7. Some of y'all are like, no, <laughs> find one more thing about the city of Jericho, um, but last weekend... Wasn't it incredible to understand what happens when we are in unity? That when your family, your marriage, when you are in unity, when the church is united, that the Bible says that there is actually a commanded blessing over our lives. 
that doesn't come any other way but when I'm united. This is why the enemy wants you to fight in your marriage. This is why the enemy wants churches fighting. The enemy does not want us united. And God takes them to this place, the city of Jericho, and it is the the city that is standing in front of them before they enter into the promised land. And and I want to show you one more thing. If you'll look at Joshua chapter 6, verse 16 through verse 19, it says, Joshua commanded the army, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Everybody say shout. He says, shout for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. If you underline your Bible or mark in your Bible, that's a great, great verse. The the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are, are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. And don't you love it that a prostitute's in the Bible? And God used her to bring deliverance. And listen, no matter what you've been through in your life, there's hope. I love it. it and it says, um, but keep away from the devoted, verse 18, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Other, otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. And all, all the silver and gold and all the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, it says, But the Israelites were unfaithful. Everybody say unfaithful. unfaithful. They were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now, this is a little strange. When you read this story, and, and the Israelites, they have been in the desert for 40 years they've been wandering around. They're ready to conquer. They're ready. And now they're they're about to go into this city that God has given them. And God says, everything in this city belongs to me. Don't touch it. He's telling them, I'm going to give you 10 cities in the promised land. But this first city that you are going to conquer is mine. Now don't don't just get lost in a Bible story and read this and miss really the power of how hard it had to be for these people that they've been wandering around in the desert they're wearing the same clothes they've been wearing the same sandals they 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 get into this city and there's all these amazing outfits How many of you love clothes? Come on, man. There's a lot of men in here. You love clothes. The ladies are kind of lazy. There's men in here that love clothes. You love your outfits. And they're they're like walking around and and like somebody, like one of the guys sees, man, man, I want those Jabot jeans. (laughs) All the old people just laugh because everybody else doesn't know what Jabot jeans were. Jabot jeans were amazing. They were so cool. There's all these cool shirts and sandals and and they're like, man, God said don't touch it. 
This first city is mine. There's, there's this silver, there's this gold, there's all this food. Like, you know, they had to be sick and tired of eating the same old stuff. They've been going around the desert, they're eating the same stuff. Like, how many of you are, like during COVID, you feel like you've got in some ruts eating the same food? Like maybe, you know, the cook in your family knows how to cook two meals. <laughs> and they're going to break out those two meals. We know how to make spaghetti. And you're like, I don't want to eat spaghetti anymore. They're wandering around. They're like, look at these. This food looks so amazing. And God says, don't touch it. The first is mine. And there was a guy by the name of Aiken, and I don't know if it was his anniversary or what, but something was going on in his life that he was like, I need to get me some of this. And the Bible tells us that he took some things and silver and gold, and maybe he got his wife a new outfit, and he was excited to give it to her, but he stole this because God said, the first this first city of the 10 cities that you're gonna conquer, I want you to trust me enough to not touch it. I think it's kind of strange that God would ask him to do that. But then I think also about, isn't it true that all of us in our life, we struggle with always wanting to be first? We wanna be first it's just kind of in our nature. Like I love being first. Like for example, isn't it like, like jackpot when you get to get on the plane first and you're picking what seat you get to be on, like Southwest and they, you're, you're like in the front and isn't it discouraging when you're in the back and you're gonna like, you're walking in, all the seats are taken and you're ending up back in the back by the bathroom where they, they leave the door open. <laughs> There's no enjoyment to that flight. But we love being first. We love being, like, you think about all the things that we can be first at. We, we love, like, being first in line. Uh, we love to be first to be seated. We love to, to, like, be first to get our food. Like, in our family, when, if my mother-in-law asks you to come over to eat, it's like, like getting an invitation to, the, like, the White House. Because she cooks amazing food and we're all excited. And nothing is like, if you want healthy, don't go. It's like fried everything. She fries everything. Everything is fried over there. And it's like this spread that could feed 10,000 people and there's like 10, 10 of us over there. And my brother-in-law, every time before we would even say amen, he's already gotten his pork chops, he's got his lima beans, he's got his cornbread. And I'm like, we just said amen and he's already getting his food. But we learned how to conquer that. We make him pray now. <laughs> He prays and we all move while he's praying. <laughs> but we love being first. Like I know y'all love being the first one out of the parking lot. It's funny to watch some of the families, young families. You are like, babe, you go get the kids. I'm going to get the car. I'll see you out back. And you are running because you want to get out of the parking lot first. Um, we want to get the new iPhone we want to get all these new things. We want to be first at getting stuff. 
And I can remember even in high school, I, I, like, I wanted to be like first, I wanted to be the best in, in, in sports. And, and I, again, all of us want to be, be first and be best at stuff. And I, I know some of y'all have heard me talk about my sports career, career, how amazing it was in high school. But I, I made the basketball team and I've got a picture of it for those of you that don't believe me. I'm in the back row in the middle. And I do need to tell you, just to be honest, since I'm your pastor, I went to a boarding school. I didn't go to a boarding school because my parents were like saying this kid's messed up. Uh, we lived in, in the Andes Mountains. My parents were missionaries and they were like, there's no school for him. We're sending him off to boarding school. And so there were, it was a boarding school and there were only like 21 guys in the school. How many of you know it's pretty easy to make a team? You notice, like, we barely, you know, it's just like, there's not a lot of people, but, but I wanted to be the best, and I've never been, really been athletic, but I worked, like, really hard, and they did this, this sports banquet where they gave these athletic awards out, and I had worked really hard, and I knew I was going to get this, like, big award because I had worked really hard. And I thought they were going to say, you know, Stephen's the best basketball player of the, the school. Brad's, Pastor Brad is laughing because he's like an amazing basketball player if you've ever seen him play. But he's getting a little cocky on me. Uh, I got this award at the banquet and I'm so proud of it. Like, I didn't, keep, y'all keep it up there. I want y'all to see it, enjoy it. I was going to bring it today, but I have it in the vault at the house. I didn't trust security. Like I wanted, a, I, I took a picture of it. I told my wife, I said, babe, this, I've, I have, this is like the only athletic sports thing I've ever gotten in my life. I've saved it. Awarded this certificate, athletic achievement in basketball, most improved that's, that's the bomb. Like, I'm like, whoa. I love the feeling of being first. And like, I was, the, I was first, I was the best and most improved. <laughs> I want to ask you this today. And, and I know we all struggle. We love, there's nothing like that feeling of getting to be first and all this. But um, do you know that if you live with the mentality and the philosophy in your life that you need to be first. Somebody in your life needs to be second, third, fourth, fifth. Do you know that it's hard on the people in your life if you've always got to be first and you live to be first and you live to win every argument, you live to be first at everything in your marriage, you live to be first at your work, it is hard on those people. It's hard on your kids. And I want to ask you this today is how's that working for your marriage? You being first. How's that working for you and your kids and your family and at your work and you're always trying to be first? Have you ever thought about this that the life that God wants you to have it's not about you being first 
that if you don't learn the principle and get beyond the fact that God doesn't want you to be first in your life, you're never going to enter into the promised land that God has for you. And the things that you're missing out in your life. Now think about this. Um, What is the number one, when you think about in your heart, what is the number one competitor in your life when it comes to God? When you start to unpack why am I, why am I number one in my life and how do I put God number one? And see this principle of the first, the principle of God being first in my life. This is what God was trying to teach the Israelites. He said, if you're going to move into the next level spiritually and in your life, you got to learn to put me first. What does that look like? It's that you've got to start analyzing your life and seeing what in my life is a competitor to God being number one? What is it that keeps getting in the way of God being number one in in my life? And I would tell you this, is that the number one competitor of God being number one in your life is your money. And I know we don't like to talk about money in church, and it usually when a pastor starts to talk about money, everybody's, oh, why did I come to church today? You're going to start coughing like you've got COVID or something like, I got to go, Pastor. (laughs) You know, but I want to talk about this because I want to show you something. And I I want you to stay with me today. I want you to relax. I don't want anything from you today. I I promise. Is if at the end of of what I've said today and you're, you you were like, you know what? I don't know about this. You need to go to some church that you, you are convinced about it. This is not something that I want from you. It's something I want for you. But I think too many of us don't understand and we struggle with putting God first. And it is because we have never learned to put our money in its rightful place. I want you to to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. It says, today I'm giving you a choice. Deuteronomy chapter 30, which by the way, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures today. So you may want to just write them down and you can go uh, look them up later. But Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, it says, Today I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep it his commands, decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you. What does it look like to put God first? I would say to you that the truest test of God being first in your life is tithing. Did y'all feel the air leave the room right now? It's just it's like, everybody's baby, hold on to your purse. Pastor's talking about tithing. Do you know that we don't like it when the pastor talks about money, but it's the number one thing we struggle with. It's one of the biggest causes of divorce. Do you know that Jesus, out of the 38 parables that he taught, 16 of those parables had to do with money? We struggle with money. We know that it's a, it's a, it's a big issue. 
in our lives, but we come to church and we don't want to talk about it. And I'm going to just tell you, it's never been about money. It's really not a, a money issue. It's a trust issue. We don't trust God enough with our money. So when I say you're number one in your life, it means that you feel like you are going to control things. You are who you are. You have achieved what you have in your life. You, it's like, man, uh, everything that I have, it's because me, myself, and I have worked hard to get it. And, and I want to just say this to you. Um, have you ever been to an estate sale? You don't take it with you. A couple of weeks ago, my wife, and we love going to estate sales. We like going to garage sales. I know, I told my wife, I said, we were at a garage sale yesterday morning. And I told her, I looked at her, I said, does that mean we're getting old? Because we are like excited and giddy to run in and look at stuff and we're excited. And I'm like, babe, I think we're getting old. But you go to an estate sale, and two weeks ago, I was in an estate sale, and it just kind of, I believe God showed me something. It, it so bothered me. I walked in there, and people were just going through their stuff. They were in their bedroom, digging through their underwear. The dead person's underwear. I had to say that in the first service, because people were like, what? I was like, I've got to clarify that. They're digging through all this junk, and I'm like, they didn't take it with them. They made money and material things, and listen to me, this gets so tangled up, and we kind of want to separate it, and we want to go, well, God, I, I want you to be number one in my life, but my money over here, it's, it's mine, and, and I'm telling you, the Bible tells us that it's impossible in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, you cannot serve both God and money. And what tithe does, and, and tithe means a tenth, and this is basically what's happening in Joshua, is God's trying to teach them, would you trust me enough to give me, listen, God didn't need all that stuff. God didn't need all the, the gold and silver and animals and all the clothing in that beautiful city. He was trying to teach them to trust me enough. Put me first in your life. And trust me. See, this principle of the first, it's all over the Bible. But, you know, the Bible tells us, if you want to write this down, the tithe teaches us to put God first. The tithe teaches us to put God first. Deuteronomy 14, 23 says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your life. And I, I want to say this because I, I think a lot of us start to get tense when any time you start to talk about this. And if, again, um, I believe in this so much to, to, to say this to you today. If, you, if you're like, I don't know about this and I'm kind of like the church is trying to get my money. Why don't you leave today and go like Google some church in town. And, and look up First Baptist. I don't, I don't care what church. Look them up. Call the pastor and tell him. My pastor over at Creekwood said he gave me a, a tithe challenge of putting God first with my money. Can I tithe for the next three months over here? You know what that pastor is going to say? You know you have a really good pastor. 
I love Creekwood. I want you to relax. Listen, this is something we struggle with. And I'm going to prove it to you and show you to you that the principle of the first, and I don't care, and, and I know sometimes we're like, well, you know, if I just had a lot of money, do you know that it's harder to tithe the more money you get? It's easy to tithe when you got a dollar. You got $10. See, that baby is amen in me right now. I know he is. It's easy, but then, like, the conversations and people are like, man, you know, I just, I'm making... $50,000 now, that's a lot of money to be tithing. It's tough. But I'm telling you, this principle of the first, it works. And it's all over the Bible. Let me just say this to you, that Deuteronomy 8.18 says this. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So God is the one that gives us the ability to um, have wealth. And God desires to bless us in our life. But I want you to understand that there's always a purpose behind it. If you want to write this down, the first part of all God gives us should be given back to him. The first part. I, I say the first part because the first is very important. Um, do you know, again, this is something that, that my wife and I have, have lived by. We believe in this in our life. And do you know that we don't pay our mortgage first? My wife and I don't pay our electric bill first. We don't pay any bill first. Why? Because my mortgage company does not have the ability to bless me. My, the electric bill, they, 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 electric company does not have the ability to bless me. God is the only one that, bless, that can bless me in my life. And understanding the importance of what the first looks like in your life is so, so important. Um, you know, it's not hard. Like, it's, it's not hard to give to God if you go, you know, I'm going to pay all my bills. I'm going to pay everything, and then I'm going to decide, like, you know, I, I'm going to decide if I'm going to give God. Does that take faith? No. It takes faith, and it takes trust to say, God, you're first. That's the principle of first. God, you are first in my life. So first, when it comes to my money, I'm going to give you. Let me just show you again this principle of the first is all throughout the Bible. In Deuteronomy 26.1, it says, When you have entered the land your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits. Of all you produce from the soil of the land, the Lord your God is giving you, and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling place, dwelling for his name, and say to the priest in, in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. Um, Exodus 34 Verse 19, it says, The first offspring of every womb belongs to me, including all the firstborn males of your livestock, whether from herd or flock. 
Exodus 34, 25 says, celebrate the festival of weeks with the first fruits of the week. I'm telling you, the principle of the first is throughout the Bible. Exodus 34, 26 says, bring the best of your first fruits of your soul to the house of the Lord your God. You may remember the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter four, and it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting story. They both came and gave to God, but only one was acceptable to God. In Genesis chapter four, verse three, it says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soul as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. In other words, Abel understood the principle of the first. Cain said, I'm gonna give God on my terms. I'm gonna give him whatever I wanna give him. And this is what a lot of us do. And, and again, I, I, I'm just, I want you to think about this. You know, you give to God and you understand that God doesn't need our stuff. Everything we have has been given to, to us by God. And, and a lot of us, we struggle with this and, it, and, it, and it's, it's kind of like this, is that, that if I were to come over to your house and say, hey, can I borrow your car? I need to go get some stuff. And, and I borrowed your car and I didn't come back tonight. I kept your car and I drove it around. Like, man, my wife and I decided, hey, let's go to Oklahoma, do a road trip. About two days, we came back and you're like, where in the world have you been in my car? You're like, you know, you, you put a lot of miles and, and I, I'm getting out of the car and I'm teary-eyed. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of crying a little bit and, and my lower lip is kind of shivering and I'm like, you know, I, I look at you and I say, you know, I really believe God has spoken to me and God really put something in my heart and I want to I, I give you this car. And you're like, you're kidding, what? This is mine. And what happens, a lot of us, we, we, we're like, I'm first, and this is mine, and this is all of mine, and we're, we're, we're holding on to it, and we, re, we, realize, we don't realize this is about trust. Could it be maybe the reason why you've never moved forward financially in your life is that you've never put God first? Sometimes I hear people say, well, we can't afford to tithe. I'm like, you can't afford not to tithe. I'm telling you, it, it has to do with trust in this principle of the first. It is, it is what is so, so important in our lives to learn. The principle of unity that we talked about last weekend about there is a commanded blessing. This is the same thing in, a, in, in, a, in the same powerful way that God, do you know that God, and I'm gonna show you this in, in just a few moments that God actually commands us to test him in this. It's the only place when it comes to your money that God said, you test me and see if I will not bless you. Number two, what, do, what we do with the first part determines what happens to the rest. 
What we do with the first part determines what happens to the rest. Do you know that a lot of times we forget that there's a God factor associated with our tithing? That there is this favor, there's this supernatural, unexplained um, blessing that God brings in our life. And I'm going to just say this. If you've been around Creekwood for very long, you've heard me talk about this. God doesn't bless us just for us to get rich and try to go, oh, man, I just want to keep getting a bigger house. There's always a purpose why God blesses us. There's always something that God wants us to do for the kingdom of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to say this to you also. I struggled big time talking about tithing this weekend. Because everything inside of me said, you know what, man, we're just coming out of like six months of COVID and all this stuff. And like, let's talk about something else. And I came to this story and I kept reading it over and over. And I stopped at that and I said, that's the principle of the first. And I said, God, I know that you are calling me as their pastor to be courageous. And I love you enough to want this for you to talk about this. See, there's a God factor to your tithe. See, I, I'm gonna show you this graph for just a few moments that there's a lot of us that understand we gotta get from A to B in our life. And basically, um, we believe our belief system, th these are the people that have low trust in, in, our, in they don't trust God. And again, this is a lot of us, the, the way we've been brought up, it's like, man, it's so countercultural. A lot of us, the way we've been brought up is, man, you just get all you can. This doesn't make sense. It's kind of crazy. And low trust people believe that it takes 100% to get from A to B, everything that I make to get to, from A to B, this is what's got to happen. High trust people know I trust God enough with a 10% that God is going to help me with a 90% to get from A to B. And what you understand is that God through the 90, he's going to take my 90% and help me get to the B, A to B. And then there's the C factor that comes into place when you tithe. I don't know why this music is playing. Maybe it's because I need to land the plane, but uh, um, <laughs> that's their way of telling me, hey, hurry. <laughs> it's, it's important. I could, I could stand up here and tell you B to C stories. B to C stories are unexplainable favor, a blessing of God. When I say, God, I trust you so much that I'm going to take the 10% that I, that of my income and I'm going to bring it to the storehouse. Let me show you this because this is, again, this is so important. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that, that there will not be room enough to store it. We either believe God or we don't. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You know, when my wife and I first started in ministry in Oklahoma. We were in Woodward, Oklahoma. We did not make like 
I'm telling you, we did not, we could not afford to pay attention. I mean, we went to, to, to chicken, you know, uh, to chicken places to lick other people's fingers. That's not a good joke during COVID. I just take that back. Don't lick other people's fingers. But we couldn't afford it. I, and I'm, I'm just telling you my B2C story because I believe in this. We, we, we're like, man, we can't afford to tithe. Some people let us live in their house for free. It was a dump. I'm, I'm just telling you it was a dump. It, the, the toilets had overflowed and there was no carpets, but they let us live in there for free. So I was excited. I moved my, my beautiful wife. We just got married. She, I was like, babe, you can't, I can't wait to see her. Our house is amazing. She got there like, oh my word. And everything within me said, man, we can't tithe. But listen, we tithe. Do you know that our first house we bought, we bought a flood house that had 10 feet of water and people thought we were kind of crazy. We bought it for $40,000. Several years later, the government came along and said, you know what, we, we are gonna do a buyout. These houses, we need to, they're too close to the river. They gave us $200,000. That's a B to C story. When we moved to Mansfield and we put the offer into our house, my, my, my realtor laughed at us and she said, there's no way. And I told her, I said, well, if they take our offer, will you come to church? Because we need somebody that we don't have anybody. She still kind of laughed. They accepted it. It's my B to C story. I could tell you over and over and over, B to C stories of how God has blessed us. Do you know that this church is full of B to C stories? This, 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 let me, let me just tell you this. Do you know that when you give and, and when, when you give that a lot of times you don't realize that like you're actually giving to help start a church somewhere. You're actually, when you tithe that, like you are investing in kids. You show up on a Wednesday night and you see student ministries, those students seeking God. You can like go, you know what? I gave to that. Don't you think for a moment that God wants to bless you for that? See the way God operates is God's looking for somebody he can trust that will trust him enough with resources. But I have, I'm telling you, it is so hard when God blesses you and you start to go, man, I'm making 300,000, 200,000, 100,000. I can't afford to tithe anymore. You know, again, you guys are, are incredibly generous. I'm not speaking about this because Creekwood needs your money. I'm not, I'm not. Creekwood, the percentage of people that tithe at this church, do you know that we are so far above the average church? The studies that show churches across the nation, the average uh, a Christ follower, do you know that th this is a big number? Do you know that 16% of the people that are a part of this church tithe? 16%. On one side, I wanna go, when I look at other numbers of other churches around the nation, I look at Preston Wood or all these different big churches and I'm like, man, we're, this is amazing. 
And then I stop and I think about what could we do for the kingdom of God if all of us 100% stood united and trusted God and believed God. Do you know that the average Christian in America in one year gives $817 to their church? The average American spends $900 on coffee. We spend more on espressos than we do God. The average American spends $1,000 on their dog, which you should, don't do that for your cat. I wrote this down, 50 million, men spend $50 million on golf balls, ladies $18 billion on makeup, and I'm not gonna comment. College students $5.5 billion on alcohol. Alcohol, something you're gonna throw up or TT. We, we, I, I'm telling you, this, I know it's like, ah. Uh, but you gotta, you, you, you gotta dig deep. And you gotta look at yourself and you say, is God really number one or am I number one? If I'm number one, I'm spending more on my junk for me than I am God. Don't say God's number one in your life if you're spending more on coffee and I'm not getting on to you. Maybe a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> when we spend more on all this stuff and we're like, well, God's your number one. And God says, would you trust me with this? And I'm going to say this to you. If you're here today and you're 16, 17 years old, this is one of the greatest messages, not because I'm speaking it, but this principle of the first, if you'll begin to apply it to your life, it will transform your life. I want this for you. And I'm challenging you to trust God. I'm challenging you, you to step up and say, God, I want you to be first in my life. You're first in my life, in every area of my life. I wanna ask you to pray with me today and I wanna ask you just to bow your heads for just a few moments. You know, the most important thing that can happen today is that if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ into your life, the most important thing that can happen today is that you receive Christ in your life. If you're here today and you are like, you know what, I'm not right with God. I love God, but I know I'm not right in my life and I, I need to surrender my life. I need to give my heart to God. I need him to forgive me of my sins. I wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna ask you to stand or anything like that with everybody's head bowed. Just, just lift your hand up and put it right back down and say, Pastor Stephen, I need, I, I need to make that decision today and just put it right back down and say, would you pray for me today? I see hands going up around this room and I just encourage you to right there at your seat to just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus Christ, I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. I make you the Lord of my life today. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. I am excited to be your son and your daughter. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Are you new to Creekwood? 
If so, we're glad you're here. For more information about our church and how to take your next step, please visit the Connect page on our Creekwood Church app.